0: We have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McLean. W- w- welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? I uh, hope you're having a great day. This is the uh Washington Week 11 preview, the Texans and the Commanders uh, on Sunday, so preview the, the the Texans, and I almost called them the R-word, John, the Commanders are you, uh, by the way, I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast joined as always by the Hall of Famer and Senior Texans Columnist for Sports SportsRadio 610.com and GallerySports.com John McClain, John, do you, do you find yourself still uh, your, your mouth uh, with, do you have the muscles the, the muscle repetition yet to say Commanders, or do you revert back to the R-word from time to time
2: I just go with Washington, and mm-hmm. my wife grew up in D.C. as a diehard Redskins fan. She refuses to call them the Commanders. She calls them the <laughs> Redskins. She's got all kind of Redskins uh, stuff around our house, and so uh, when I write it, a few times I have trouble. and Then I, most of the time, I say Washington, but I don't want to get too repetitive. But a couple of times I've started with an R, quickly switched to to a C.
1: Yeah. What's your, um, what's your rating on the name Commanders, scale of 1 to 10?
2: I don't have a problem with it. I don't yeah. really like anything about that team. But Commanders is fine to me. You know, the president is the uh, chief commander. And uh, uh, as long as we're not thinking about Daniel Snyder, I got no
1: problem with it. Do you think they sell the team in the next year? If you had to if I should have made this for real or for Gazi, but as long as we're talking about it, do you think th- this time in 2023 is Daniel Snyder still the the owner of the Washington Commanders?
2: I think he's trying to sell 49% so he can keep control, but nobody in their right mind would buy 49% for multiple billion dollars with him running the show.
0: Right. Unless
2: he put it in writing, he would be out, say, in one more year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they'll get this done by next season, but I would say by 20, 2024, Dan Snyder will be out. They'll have a new owner. They'll have a new stadium and renewed interest in the Washington Commanders.
1: Is it bad there? I mean, you follow it closer than I do, John. Because like Terrible. You said- Carols are terrible. Of- no, no, I know it's bad. This is, uh, but I'm talking specifically. Like, do they have the same attendance issues that the Texans have?
2: Oh, their attendance are worse. They had to close down, put tarps over sections okay. of the stadium because they couldn't sell it out. Remember, at one point, he was selling close to ninety thousand tickets when that stadium opened. Yeah, and now it's terrible because when they play teams from the NFC East or teams. From that part of the country, that team's going to have more fans in the stadium than the commanders are, which is understandable because he is such a a vilified owner who's had so much negativity going on off the field. You know, his lack of popularity and respect among the media and the fan base has much more to do than just losing. It has to do with the state of that franchise Which is the worst in the NFL,
1: John? What I'm hearing you say is that NRG Stadium on Sunday could be the emptiest that it's been, maybe ever, considering the fact that it's already, in terms of Texan fans, pretty empty, and now this is a team that I'm guessing doesn't travel real well to see its team. Like if they've, if they, it's a team that has a lot of national following but if they if their fans are out on the team right now like the eagle fans took over NRG stadium you still see a lot of titan fans uh, because some of them are old oiler fans you know even the chargers had a pretty big brigade of fans in town for that game is this is this going to be a barren stadium on sunday do you think I don't think it's so
2: much of having come into town as it is we have fans from all over the country yeah. living in Houston. You know, we got 6 million people in this area. Yeah. And I think a lot of them they don't want to go to Washington and it's not hard to get a ticket, but if it's much easier when it's one game. There you so go. I think they'll have I think they'll have fans there. And I just don't think it'll be anything nearly like it would be if they were, had been a good team from the start. Mm -hmm. Right now they're five and five, they dealt the Eagles, their first loss, they're going to be 6-5 and five because they'll beat the Texans. And so um, does that put them in the playoff race? No. But does it give them hope for the future? I guess so. Although there's still so much negativity surrounding Snyder, I don't know if the fans, most of them, will ever come back as long as he owns the team.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? Oh, we'll
1: see. You know, John, and that's a good segue into doing our pregame six pack on this game. Commanders and Texans. It's a noon kickoff on um, on Sunday. I'm checking right now. Last I checked, the spread was. Yep, it still is. Commanders minus three is the spread. The total on the game is 40 and a half for uh, total points scored. And I know you mentioned standings and playoffs and things like that. I'm just looking this up right now um cuz the commanders are the first team out of the playoffs at 5 and 5 john 6 and 5 if they win this game they might be the 7th seed going into week 12
2: they might be but i just don't see four teams from that division making the playoffs maybe they maybe they will but Taylor Heineke, who had a cup of coffee here in December of 2017, you know, he's a good backup quarterback. He's three and one. You know, he's Cooper Rush. Now, Ryan Rivera has professed everything positive about Carson Wentz. He'll be back, I'm guessing, next week from his finger injury, and they were not nearly as productive. As they, as they are now. Of course, they also have Brian Robinson, Jr., who got shot three times, in, in, uh, and he's back, and he's now the starting running back. And, yeah. And, and Wentz didn't have him. So maybe they will make the playoffs, but I just can't imagine all four teams would because they're going to beat up on each other.
1: Yep, that's true. Uh, right now, all four teams in the AFC East would make the playoffs over on the AFC side. But you're right. They're all going to play each other. Uh, Multiple times here at some point. All right, let's get into it, John. Pre-game six-pack. So storylines, people, wrinkles in this game coming up on Sunday between the Texans and the Washington Commanders. You go first, as always. The honor is yours, General.
2: Thank you very much. Um, I'm writing a column on Gallery Sports about Deshaun Watson returning to practice for the Browns. On Wednesday, and it reminded me Damian Pierce is here because of Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. So, Damian Pierce uh, is my first one because he is the Texans' best player, their offensive MVP, because he is fifth in the NFL in rushing, first in broken tackles. He's top five in all the top stats you want for running back, other than touchdowns. And I think that uh, uh, he will be the key. You know, Washington's got four number one picks in their defensive line. If Chase Young plays for the first time in a year since he blew out his knee as expected, and they're going to focus on Pierce. And if the Texans can throw the ball in the first half as they did in the second half against the Giants, I think that Damian Pierce can have a good game. But if they can't, then he's going to get stuck because he's going to find a lot of eight-man fronts focused on him.
1: Oh, yeah. No no doubt about that. John, as funny as you lay that out, and I'm going to talk, this leads into my uh, first uh, item to watch for the game on Sunday. Um, as you're laying that out, he's fifth in the league in rushing Damian Pierce. I was just looking at an odds board as to who's going to win the rushing title. I think Derrick Henry's up there and you know a few other guys. Um, Pierce is not on that short list of guys, at least on the odds board. I think he should be just based on the usage the Texans have had. But That might be the one thing where a player on my favorite team, I'm not rooting for them to win a title of some sort, you know, home run title or scoring title, or in this case, the rushing title. Because that means that Damian Pierce will have carried the ball way, way, way too much on a team that's going to win at best probably two or three games this year, which leads me into my first one. I am anxious to see if the Texans mix in Eno Benjamin, who they just picked up off of waivers from the Arizona Cardinals earlier this week. Um, he actually had good numbers in Arizona. He had a couple good games in Arizona. Reportedly, the reason why they waived him is because he got a little sideways about his lack of usage once James Conner was healthy again. Um, so uh, I'm anxious to see if Pep Hamilton mixes in some Eno Benjamin and takes a little bit of the load off of Damian Pierce. Because Benjamin is a guy who at least physically is capable of of at least I won't say scaring a defense, but he's he's someone at least a defense has to pay mind to, unlike Rex Burkhead.
2: I think we'll still see Burkhead on third down because he's mm-hmm. a good – he he is a good receiver. He had two catches. He averaged 14 yards on those catches, and he got a first down. It may have been two. I can't remember. But, but you don't just – you don't just fall out of love with somebody overnight, and Pep Hamilton loves – Rex Burkhead, but Benjamin don't know how much he can learn this week. I would expect we'd see more of him in the next game, And uh, but anything is better than nothing, just so we don't have to see Burkhead carry the ball, and I still don't like the fact that we don't know why they don't like Goomba Goombawale because in the brief time he's played, he's done well, but it's obvious they don't think he can do it consistently, so they're going to bring in Benjamin, and if he didn't like his Carries being reduced when James Conner got here. He's <laughs> certainly not going to like it here because he's not going to get a lot of carries because they're going to rely on Pierce, uh, who uh, the guys in leading rushers in front of him, Saquon Barkley, feasted on the Texans, Derek Kinley, feasted. Derek Henry feasted on them, and will again. Nick Chubb will feast on them on de- December fourth, and Josh Jacobs feasted on them. Yeah. So I don't think there's any prayer. He's going to end up among the leaders because uh, they have. I just don't. They're all. They're, they come from teams that run the ball a lot and will continue. Sean Watson may not throw 15 passes. When he plays against the Texans, he might not Nick Chubb cream up. They may run for 300.
1: He might not. You may be right about that. All right. What's your next one, John?
2: My next one is the pass rush with Jerry Hughes, who is their MVP of their defense. Jerry has eight sacks. His career high is 10. He has been, he has, he's under a two-year contract. He's been a revelation we wondered at 33, what could he still do? He won't be 34 till August, and he has been terrific. He's done it with very little help up front. Jonathan Grenard's on injured reserve, has hurt last year, hurt this year. Uh, can't count on him to be healthy. But Jerry Hughes brings it every week, and uh, if I'm if I'm Taylor Heineke, and he moves around a lot he's going to have to be aware of Jerry Hughes and what he can do in a game. Now, unfortunately, he has done getting help from other players mm-hmm. on the pass rush, but you look at him, we didn't expect anything from him. You know, uh Machine Green had, I think, five-and-a-half last year. Mario Addison had five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half. He hadn't done much. And, of course, Grenard being on uh, IR – it's Jerry Hughes and and nobody else. Yeah, when it comes to rushing a quarterback,
1: tied for sixth in the NFL in sacks with eight right now. Leader is Matthew Judon in New England. That's been a good signing for them. John eleven and a half. Zadarius Smith in Minnesota Packers probably wish they still had him nine and a half. Nick Bosa nine and a half, and then we got Justin Houston and Alex Highsmith with both eight and a half. And you got a lot of OGs on there, man. Judon's been around a while. Zadarius Smith, Justin Houston, feels like he's been around forever. And Jerry Hughes. And there's Von Miller tied (laughs) tied with Jerry Hughes. You got some old school guys there, John. And he has as many as Micah Parsons, and
2: he has more than Miles Garrett.
1: He
0: does indeed. He does indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: All right, John, my next one in our pregame six pack is Kenyon Green. And really the entire interior of this Texans defensive line, but particularly Green, because he's the only one that really matters to people, I think. Um, AJ Kan is just a guy and Scott Quezenberry will be replaced in the offseason. Kenyon Green was the 15th overall pick in the draft. And he's had a rough month or so with Jeffrey Simmons a few weeks ago with Fletcher Cox and uh, Hargrave in Philadelphia or against Philadelphia. And then last week, uh, poor Kenyon Green got worked uh, against um, Dexter Lawrence of the New York Giants. I mean, really worked. Uh, Two two holding penalties that were declined, one holding penalty that was accepted and nullified a touchdown. And then on the very next play after that, he allows the pressure – that uh, resulted in Davis Mills' interception in the end zone. Um, Kenyon Green's had a rough month. He needs to have a better month, and it's, it doesn't get any easier with this Washington defensive line, which on the interior has Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, and they get Chase Young back on the edge this week, who will probably, I would imagine be a little rusty, but he's healthy again. Um, the Texans are going to need to run the football. More than that, they're going to need to protect Davis Mills. Davis Mills has been terrible, but I think a part of that at least has been that he's been getting pressured up the middle. So Kenyon Green, with a little tangential supporting nod to Quisenberry and Can, on um, on Sunday against the interior of that Washington defensive line.
2: We, uh, I, I'm sure you do too. We have trust in the tackles. and yeah. have been hurting him. Laramie well, Tunzel and uh, Titus Howard have been very good. Mm-hmm. It's the interior guys, and that was an issue last year. Kenyon Green doesn't have to worry about getting getting benched because the first guy off the bench, Justin McCrae, has been terrible when he's played. Mm-hmm. So it's Kenyon or Bust. He's going to have to learn from it. And uh, at some point, you'd hope it let up a little bit. And uh, my next one is going to be the world's worst run defense. 181 <laughs> yards a game. They don't have uh, traditional 100-yard runners on Washington. They have Brian Robinson, Jr., the rookie of Antonio Gibson, Mm -hmm. the uh, veteran. And these guys are big. Robinson's 6'2", 228, and uh, Gibson is 6'2", and 220. So they're going to pound that ball between the tackles. They can get around the corner. But it's going to be ground and pound, and it's going to be physical. And even if the Texans do well for a while like they did with Saquon Barkley, that lack of talent shows because they get worn down and worn out by the opposing rushing game in the second half, and especially the fourth quarter. So I expect this will be another close game because both teams rely on the run. Neither quarterback is special, and the Texans will be in it in the fourth quarter. I said this last week. I'll say it again. They're not committing a lot of turnovers. They're not giving up big plays, but that makes puts them in striking distance in the fourth quarter and in every game except Jacksonville, and they've gone straight down the tubes. And that includes the Colts game, in which they had a great chance to win and blew it and tied.
1: The commanders ran the ball forty-nine times for hundred and fifty-two yards against Philadelphia on Monday night, which is the one of the weirdest box scores I've ever seen for a modern want to carry. Yeah. And, yeah.
2: And, and here the Giants ran at forty-seven. Yeah. And averaged five five point one, I believe. So I would guess if we were taking the over under on the commander's average per carry over under 3.1, I think everybody in the free world would take the over.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 3.1. I, te- I think if the Texans hold them to 3.1 yards per carry, I think the Texans win the game. The fi- the Eagles had some egregious turnovers in that game, and they were the beneficiaries of a couple of missed calls, too, by the officials. At least one, the face mask. I You know, the roughing on Taylor Heineke, I think to the letter of the law is the rule. I just think it's – overprotection protection of quarterbacks, but um at any rate. All right, my last one, John, is Derek Stingley Jr. And I'm gonna plead for Lovey Smith to accommodate me on this for the rest of the year. Please let Derek Stingley Jr. cover a, a wide receiver, like press coverage at the line of scrimmage. I want to see Derek Stingley Jr. and Terry McLaurin. Uh Taylor is gonna have to throw the ball at some point. He had to throw it against Philadelphia Please, please, please let me see Derek Stingley Jr. I don't want to see any of this garbage where you've got receivers that don't have anybody within 20 yards of them running free. Um, let me see some Derek Stingley Jr. getting up on the line against Terry McLaurin and let's see what happens. He may get baptized, John. That's what happens to rookies. But I but we need to see it. He's the third overall pick in the draft. They could have they can be using any fifth rounder that they could have gotten to be doing the stuff they're asking Stingley to do right now.
2: You know, Terrence Mitchell, who was terrible here last year, plays for the Titans. I watched him get an end zone, an interception to end the last game they won. And I'm thinking the Titans are playing great defense with all these rejects. counting injured reserve in the practice squad. They have 11 former Texans on their (laughs) roster. And none of them other than Lonnie Johnson was a high pick. And they're winning. And here – we got Derek Stingley Jr. just dropping, dropping, dropping got cuts in front of him. Let him get up and let him bump him on the line, turn and run. Let's see. We know what he's made of. Let's see what he does.
1: Yeah. I I you know, we're going to talk to Nick Casario, I think, at some point here in the near future on our show. And that that's one of the first things I want to ask him is, you know, what what did you envision for Derek Stingley Jr. when you drafted him? Because it can't be this. You know, the can't. Maybe for a and year. He I guess. ain't gonna tell you what he envisioned. You I'm gonna ask that. him though, John. I'm gonna ask him, and, and it's, maybe it's not exactly what he says, but how he says it, John. How he says it. You know, so we'll see. Um, but um, all right. So that's our pregame six pack for you, right there, getting you ready for Washington uh, and the Texans on um, on Sunday. All right, John, you want to play a little For Real or Fugazi to hit some of these other storylines from around the league? For real. Okay, let's, for, for real, let's do it. All right, John, I was looking before the uh, before you and I started recording here. There's 10 first-year head coaches in the NFL this year, and I think there's a handful of them that are at least on a hot seat, if not staring at a one-and-done. But the most likely head coach to be one-and-done this offseason is Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. Is that for real or fugazi? It's for real.
2: He's got a new owner, didn't hire him. You know they have their ideas about coaches. He's done a bad job with the offense. He had to bring in help. He's done a bad job at game, game management. And maybe Russell Wilson's done, but Russell Wilson, when he came back from his injury last season, He played pretty well. I think he had like 25 touchdowns, seven or eight interceptions. And this year, he's been
1: terrible. And Nathaniel Hackett is going to be the fall guy. If it's not Nathaniel Hackett, then it's in the same division. Josh McDaniels is the most in danger of being one and done besides Hackett. For real or Fugazi?
2: For real, I Mm -hmm. think
1: that uh, Mark
2: Davis doesn't want to fire him. He's pointed out Rome wasn't built in a day. But the fact is, he took over for Rich Versace, who who was the interim coach, had him winning one-score games and had them in the playoffs. And then McDaniels, they cannot win one-score games, and they've blown three 17-point leads. And if you go back to after his – Hot start in Denver, his record is pathetic. Yeah, it's bad. And and I think I don't know since Mark Davis hired him, and Dave Ziegler, his buddy from New England, and brought in two Patriot people. If indeed he fires him, it's over the general manager's objections. So I don't know that any of the other one first first year coaches. Will get fired. But if any of them does, it should be McDaniels, because he's got talent on both sides of the ball. Yes, they've been injuries like a wide receiver and tight end, but they shouldn't be a two-win team.
1: John, the next one, for real or fugazi, Cooper Cup is going to injured reserve. He's gonna have surgery on his ankle, I believe. Um, this cup to IR officially ends the Rams 2022 season. For real or Fugazi?
2: Fugazi, it's already been ruined. It doesn't matter what's <laughs> happened to Cooper Cup. They've been a huge disappointment. Matthew Stafford's been injured. Other players are injured. Their offensive line's terrible. They can't run the ball. So they've been out of it for about three weeks.
1: All right. Next one, John. For real or Fugazi. Um, Tom Brady is ready to go on a rampage through the NFC after the news of Giselle being in Costa Rica. With her jujitsu teacher, for real or Fugazi?
2: Fugazi, because he's already on a rampage. <laughs> Since the divorce, he's 2-0. and oh, And you know they didn't just get that done overnight. They've known that divorce was coming for a while. I don't think it really had anything to do with him coming out of retirement. And he's been playing very well all year. It's people around him that haven't been playing well. And somebody finally told their offensive coordinator by enough, which, hey, we got to run the ball more even if it's not with – for now, we got to find somebody else. And they did, and they ran the ball more than they've run it. I think since two thousand and seven mm-hmm. or eight, and they beat Seattle. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off Brady. And we're going to see the Buccaneers get on a roll, win the division, get a home game. Nobody wants to play Brady in the playoffs.
1: Um, John, I put a bet. This isn't a for real or Gazi. I'm just following up on the Brady stuff. Um, I put a bet down for a hundred bucks on the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl at 17-1. to Do you like that bet?
2: I do, especially at those odds, because right now there's no guarantee. Look at the Bills. They were guaranteed. They can't win. Chiefs, I still think, are the best team in the AFC. And when Philadelphia and Minnesota are your best teams in the NFC, you're betting on Brady. You're winnable. betting on their receivers, staying healthy. This young running back, Rashard, K member's last name. Him continue to play well, and Todd Bowles seems to have w- 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 awakened as being a head coach. I think that's a hell of a bet.
1: All right, next one, John. Aaron Rodgers, and actually Cooper Cup said this too, but Aaron Rodgers is the headline, uh, said this week that the NFL needs to go to all natural grass at all the stadiums. For real or Fugazi. it's time to go all grass in the NFL.
2: That's for real, but it's not going to be because the NFL keeps coming out with these studies saying the current artificial turf is just as safe, records show, as a grass field. And if you go to grass fields, you have the problem that they have every week in the winter that the fields
1: are terrible and they have to keep getting replaced. All right. I've, the last two, John, are Astro-related. The first one is on that Jeff Passan story. Did you see the Jeff Passan story about? I did uh, on ESPN.com? Had some anecdotes from behind the scenes with the Astros with Jeff Bagwell had, really has Jim Crane's ear. And it also told a story of Reggie Jackson, who's an advisor for Jim Crane. For whatever reason, Jeff Passan thought it was a big deal that Reggie Jackson was yelling at front office employees. He later apologized, but there was no context. That was it. That was the whole story. He yelled at somebody. R- John, for real or for Gazi, Reggie Jackson yelling at people in the building is a major red flag.
2: Uh, for Gazi, I don't think so. If he did Thank it you. once and it was one employee, I don't, it didn't say what it was about. Somebody could have gotten his coffee wrong. Uh, <laughs> come back from Starbucks with something that didn't like it. And the fact that he apologized. Let me tell you what. I know this. You know this. Everybody listening to this podcast knows this astros have a lot of issues and reggie jackson yelling at employees isn't one of them
1: no it's not John. that that all that told me is that jeff passan has at least not recently worked in an actual workplace that he's isolated and <laughs> sits at home and writes things all day because that happens in every line of work that people yell at each other of course yes um do you yell at people john i feel like you're the exception today you you don't seem like someone who ra- i've never heard you raise your voice once do you raise your voice uh only to my wife okay <laughs> does she give it back to you oh yeah yeah <laughs> she hey,
2: you know wives always started we oh, never yeah.
1: started no no that's like right Carol
2: starts every argument
1: that's right okay now I gotta see if Amy listens to this podcast or not <laughs> all right last one John Justin Verlander is gone for real or fugazi
2: unfortunately I think it's for real Jim Crane told Brian McTaggart, who does a great job covering the Astros for Astros.com and MLB.com, which are the same, that he's looking for a Max Scherzer deal. Max Scherzer made $43 million last year. He signed a three-year, $130 million contract. He was 37 years old. And did he help them get in the World Series? No. Did he help them get to the championship round? No. No. And I just don't see Crane doing that. Mm -mm. Two with an option maybe, but for 35, not for the 40s, I'd say no. And I don't know if somebody else will give it to him. If Jacob DeGrom gets that from a team like the Rangers, then I could see Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, giving it to Verlander. And let's be honest, why would anybody – Give Jacob DeGrom that kind of money over Verlander when DeGrom has made 26 starts over the last two years because of arm issues. I would not trust him with a guaranteed contract at all where – The injury that Verlander had, he had it. He missed two seasons, all but one game, and he was fantastic. And I know there's an age difference. DeGrom's going to be 36 and Verlander 40. But based on the way Verlander pitched for almost all the season, I would give it to him before DeGrom. God,
1: DeGrom is 36 already? Where's the time? I think he's 35.
2: Yeah. Next season, I think he'll be 36. That's wild, man. God, we're, we're getting old, John. We're getting old. I know I'm old.
1: This is, you're not yet, but you'll get here. Uh, Ross Tucker said yesterday on our show, I don't know if you heard him with me and Seth yesterday um, in the 7 o'clock hour, but we met Ross in person when he was in town for the Eagle game a couple weeks ago against the Texans. And he didn't say it at the time, but he said it when he came on with us. Ross Tucker, for those who don't know, has a football podcast. He's a former player, former offensive lineman who does a million different things in the media. He said that my voice looks way younger than my actual physical looks he said sean you sound like you're like a college kid but you look like he said i look like houston's best plumber which i i thought was a kind of a backhanded compliment because plumbers are delightful people but i don't know that i necessarily want to go around saying i look like a plumber but that was his way of saying i look a lot older than my voice is john do i look a lot for real or fugazi john do i look a lot older than my voice is
2: Too gay And that's because I didn't hear you before I met you for the first time is before, is before you went on the air when you came here for Chicago Yep, and, uh, So I've known you so long, and I've also never seen your crack. So I don't know if you'd make a plumber.
1: (laughs) Got a lot of texts about my crack after that. After I said it, yeah. Nor will you ever see my crack, John. (laughs) And I don't want to see yours. (laughs) None of this playground Uh, hijinks. Show me. I'm not a plumber. Yours. There's there's only one person that's that should be seeing your crack, and she just walked through the shot right there. (laughs) Can you imagine? Whoever
2: came up with that line, plumbers
1: crack. Plumbers crack, baby. <laughs> uh, John, what do you got going on that you want to tell the people about?
2: I am writing a column
1: that'll be on, uh,
2: um, um, uh, WatsonGalrySports dot com, uh, about Deshaun Watson and about Damian Pierce. Being in Houston because the Watson trade, and I have a column on SportsRadio610 dot com about the Texans. We'll have another one on Friday. Thank you very much, as there. always.
1: All right, John, good stuff, Figgy Fig. We thank you for getting this podcast out to everybody. He's our producer on this, and he's the one that makes sure it's in your uh, in your podcast feature inbox each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. A reminder: if you want to get us a question for the mailbag, H O U mailbag. At gmail.com. Anything Texans, NFL, Astros, Yellowstone, whatever related, uh, you can send into HOU mailbag at gmail.com. With that, we are out of here. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. John and I will be back on Monday morning with a recap of the Texans and the Commanders. We'll see. Hopefully, a win from a standpoint of, a, you know, competitive standpoint. But if it's not, it's one step closer to a franchise quarterback. So for that, uh, for the Hall of Famer John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We are done. We will see you all on Monday. Enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast. Have a great week, everybody.